Welcome to the Rhythmicity Podcast, where we talk to artists about their daily habits and rhythms and the things that keep them on beat. I'm your host, Aaron Benavides. I'm a producer, DJ, and event planner coordinator, and I go by the name Shadow Sweat usually. Uh, my guest today is Cami Wilt. She's the director and owner of the Austin Tinkering School. She's a founder of the Austin Maker Fair and a founding member of the Artist Collective Vision Gland, who does a lot of awesome things, and that is where I met her. And I got involved, I think, last year for the event. We did. It was the event for the yeah, the the, the, the passage for Maker Fair. For Maker Austin. Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Well, cool. I'm excited to talk to you. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's get right into this. So, I guess the first question that I have for you is, for you, how important are daily habits and routines? Um. Well, I feel like they're really important. I actually. Um, uh, maybe in the past haven't thought they were that important, but, um, actually over the past six months, I think it was like right, um, midwinter last year, I was just feeling really, um, you know, dismal and, um, and un, un, uh, you know, undisciplined and uncoordinated. And I, I just had this, like this burst of inspiration that I would just try to do, um, uh, like 15 minutes of meditation, 15 minutes of writing, 15 minutes of yoga and 15 minute walk every morning. It was like oh, yeah. that just like little bite sized bits, you know, like didn't seem over overwhelming or insurmountable. You know, it's not like oh, totally. go to an hour long yoga class or like do this thing that's just like really long and mm -hmm. it's hard to make yourself do it. Um, so I just, you know, made this goal to try to do that for one month and I did that for one month and, you know, obviously it had amazing benefits and yeah. <laughs> I would say like, I'm really able to sustain it all the time, but, um, whatever, any, any little part of the, one of those four things always brings like a, a huge amount of value to my day. Yeah. yeah. Like I just like start the day. So grounded, like just feeling clear and, um, and yeah, I just like, I, I strive to do that and I, and I get so much out of that when I do that. Did you, uh, have, are those all habits that maybe you'd been trying to incorporate over, you know, the years and just like, oh yeah, I'm going to try to do that. And you were just finally like. Yeah, I'm just going to get get on this. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, probably over the last, you know, 20 years since I was a young adult. Like I just um, uh, have, you know, gone through ebbs and flows of doing all those different mm -hmm. things. And sometimes been super into yoga or always meditating every day to long stretches. Like when I had really little kids or yeah. something where <laughs> I was, uh, you know, um, not doing any of those things and yeah. just feeling really rough around the edges and, um, you know, when, when you're in those, in those, uh, those, what would you call it? Like the ebbs or something mm -hmm. when you're not doing any of that good stuff yeah. and you're just feeling really, um, you know, uninspired and you're feeling like, um, quick to like anger, be frustrated uh -huh. and you just, you know, it can be so hard to get back on track and be like, you know, keep saying like, I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start yeah. meditating again. I know it's going to help me so much. And it can just be really hard to make yourself sit down and do it. Um, but once you, once you, once you finally do, it, and then you're back in the flow time, oh, you're totally. like, oh, oh my God, this is so much better. Yeah. It's amazing how when you're on the other side, you know, the kind of <laughs> dark time, you're like, I just can't do it. I don't know. I don't have time, I, you know? And then when you're, when you're in it again, you're like, no, mm -hmm. no, this is where I want to be. So. And I think it's important that you sort of that you started it and you went into it with this, like, I'm just going to do this for a month or like breaking it down into really small pieces because something that I found too is, you know, like through building that up and through readings is that when you're trying to change a habit or add a new habit, uh, um, one of the important things is to break it into small things that you know you can do mm -hmm. so that you get those little wins, Yeah, you know, otherwise yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to meditate for an hour every day. And mm -hmm. then, you know, after day two, you're like, I don't want to sit around for an hour. I'm busy. I got that. Da, da, mm -hmm. And then you feel bad that you're not going to sit, you know, yeah. it's like just starting with 10 minutes. Then once you get used to 10 minutes, then do 20, then eventually you create space in your yeah, life. Yeah, um, eventually you're like loving it so much you might want to do more, but I yeah. know my husband's kind of like that where like he wants to, he makes this grand plan <laughs> of like just total yeah. life revolution and then mm -hmm. he doesn't stick to it. So yeah, I feel like just doing the, like these small little amounts is, is really best. And um, 
and and the other really amazing thing that that just that just happened that I just started doing, um, but I feel like this is going to be huge. I can already feel that it's hugely transformative, and I'm not. I know I'm being like very grandiose and yeah. else, but, <laughs> but it really like it's been super potent and amazing. Uh-huh. So I told you this summer. Um, on vacation, I read that book, Deep Work. Yeah, about how Newport. Yeah, mm-hmm. about how we, we, we have to give ourselves a break from the, the smartphone and the constant contact and the constant distraction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's definitely something I've struggled with over the last several years, especially running all these businesses and just feeling like you just got to be constantly connected. And, um, and that book kind of just was like this aha moment, like, oh, okay, here's the, I mean, of course I knew it, you know, but that book was like the validation that I needed of like, you have to give yourself a break. You're going to get the most benefit from it Absolutely. if you can just break away from the phone, from the phone. <laughs> I knew I was addicted to the phone, but I was like having a really hard time figuring out how to balance it or what to do. And then I just, uh, like a month ago or something, I just decided um, to start leaving my phone at, at work at the end of the day. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it has been amazing. Like, <laughs> it has been so amazing. And, yeah. I, and I'm serious, like, I'm, I'm, I'm with everybody that is addicted to their phone. Like, I've been super addicted mm-hmm. to my phone and feeling like, I don't know what I would, I can't imagine a whole weekend with, like, a whole weekend without my phone or feeling frustrated or scared about my (laughs) myself like what would I you know I feel like I would feel really you know stuck or frustrated if I didn't have that entertainment or that distraction and then I just started leaving my phone at work and I just I feel like I just uh reclaimed my time and my life like I really like I started being like oh my gosh it's so fun to just lay here and read a book or it's so fun (laughs) to just lay here and like be kind of available to my kids or or just all these things just started opening up to me and now I can go the whole weekend without my phone and I actually it sounds like a fake out, but I'm totally <laughs> serious. Like I'll be like, love it. Like it feels so much better than that kind of like shallow feeling of like yeah. feeling kind of like I'm here hanging out on the weekend, but half of me kind of wants to just be like back on my phone. And, you know, so I just, I'm, I'm, only been doing it for a month, but there's a there's a deep feeling of like that this, this is, is gonna, going yeah, somewhere. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Was that first weekend or that first night that you left it at like work? Were you like real nervous? No, it was amazing. I oh, mean, yeah. like it actually like I, I feel like the, the a really big thing is like just it's not even an option. It's it's not here. You know, like yeah. uh, what? Um, so really, when I, once I like made the break, like the clean break, I I didn't have it with me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, wow, you know, it, it wasn't so torturous. But I feel like what? Um, and I then then I went through the next level of like really like in, being like, wow, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> and then and now I feel like my next level where I want to get to is not even have have to do that thing where I can't have it with me. Like be able to have it with me like away in a drawer and, and not think about it. Sure. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm trying to do. Cause it is nice to have like have you know, have have at times like I might need to check in or something. But uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, or emergencies, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, totally. That's always the goal is to get to that point where you can yeah, just it's there, it. but yeah. you don't like the the chocolate uh-huh. or the wine or whatever is just sitting there, and you don't you're not even thinking about it. You're like, yeah, yeah. well, that's great. I love that. Uh, uh, yeah, I love that's kind of a, a really interesting thing. Um, one thing I uh, I also kind of I guess because so you work with you know the Austin Tinkering School, so and I think also in the Maker Fair, I think kids are a huge part of what you do, and so I wanted to kind of ask you a few questions about maybe. Um, what you learn from kids and all the kinds of stuff. So I guess one of the first ones is um, now that you started thinking about your habits, what are like ways that maybe um, you can build habits into your kids? Like what are ways that maybe you, um, like how important do you think it is for kids to start developing habits and how yeah. do you help kids to do that? Oh, cool. That's a really interesting question. Um, well, I mean, I feel like a big thing at Tinkering School that we're always, um, or that w- we often talk about is uh, that, it's important for kids and adults to be able to deal with some level of frustration or, or, you know, lack of immediate gratification. Oh yeah. And like, that's a really valuable skill for people to be able to succeed in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, at tinkering school, like, 
um, it's great because we don't we don't we don't do cut and dried type projects so much, and we're not like just do it this way, and this will turn out exactly like you thought. <laughs> like we always say, we um, we uh, support kids in building the things that they think of. So we might supply some inspiration and say we're gonna build a you know a. a uh, a, a, a tree fort or something, mm -hmm. but we're not going to say exactly how to build the tree fort. We're going to talk to the kids about their ideas and their designs, and then we're going to ask them questions like, <laughs> "How should we do it? How should we start?" Yeah. And then of course we're going to supply like you know information and you know show them how to make things strong and, um, but uh, but we just really keep them thinking and invested and and involved and engaged. And then we always say there's always moments like in all great creative projects, anything that anyone has ever done, <laughs> you bump up against these moments, uncomfortable moments where you're like, this isn't working, this doesn't look like I thought it did, or this isn't, you know, standing up, it's not strong enough, or, you know, whatever, all the problems that come up. And, um, and I feel like it's a really important uh, skill to develop about like how to, um, uh, overcome in that moment, like keep keep going, and um, so that's something that we really care about at Tinkering School. Is that what well, we always say is a failure positive attitude. So you might you might fail at one point during your project, but that's just an opportunity to uh, figure out what's wrong and make it even better. Yeah. So anyone who's ever made anything in this world um, had you know million or you know t tons and tons, Absolutely. dozens and dozens of moments when. It all seemed like total <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, yeah, know. just completely failed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you see, you see kids that you know that their parents have rushed in or rescued them at, at every, you know, at so many moments. You can see those kids, and I feel bad for those kids, but I feel like Tinkering School is a great place for them to be because you're just like. I'm not going to rush in and rescue you. I'm not going to be a, a jerk. I'm going to like be here and be, you know, yeah. be support and look at the problem with you, but I'm not going to rush in with my ideas of how to fix it sure. necessarily. I'm going to give them a chance to like look at it and like really think like that. That's, that's a really valuable skill. Like what did go wrong? Like, <laughs> why did that break? Mm -hmm. Let's look at the point where it broke. Like, Oh, there's a lot of stress at this, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so anyway, I just feel like that's super, super important. Oh, absolutely. That reminds me of a, of a book I recently read called Mindset. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm -mm. You would love it. It's, uh, it's by Carol Dweck. And it's about uh, that there are two kinds of mindsets that most people have. Um, one is a fixed mindset and one is a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is um, like you are born with talent. You are born able to do this thing, you know, and it, it applies to basically all areas of your life, you know. So and then the growth mindset is, no, I can become better at this thing. So I think and, you know, some people may have growth mindset in one area of their life and a fixed mindset in another. But it comes back to that. It's that, you know, people with a growth mindset, when they fail, don't look, don't become sullen and bad. You know, they go, oh, it failed. Okay. How can I fix it? You know, they get excited. That's the point where it becomes challenging and it mm -hmm. becomes fun. Yes, And I exactly. think that's it's really yeah. beautiful to, yeah, kind of teach kids that. Because I think that's the big problem with our education system these days. Is yes, they exactly. Don't, they teach you this fixed mindset. Oh, look at Charlie over here. He's smart. And look at Jessica over here. She's dumb. You mm -hmm. know, and they just kind of reinforce these these various stereotypes. And these kids grow up thinking, you know, that they're dumb. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the parts in the book that actually made me cry, it was really really well written, but she talks about this one kid cuz she works with kids a lot and this one kid said uh so you're telling me I don't have to be dumb cuz the kid was like a class you know misbehaving and stuff like that and it was just such a a powerful moment that this kid realized that he could he wasn't didn't have to be the dumb kid. He could be a smart kid. All it took was practice and hard work and mm -hmm. that's all it takes for anything really mm -hmm. and i think that's such a great thing yeah i love that, that yeah definitely and that that's a that's a quote uh, there's this great quote um by gaver tilly who started the original tinkering school in the bay area that uh -huh. that we were inspired by and um he says something like you know the world doesn't need more kids that are good at tests 
The, ki the world needs more kids that see the challenges of the world as interesting problems and puzzles that they're excited to try to get in there yeah. and figure out how to fix them. So that's really what the world needs now, <laughs> <Absolutely>. very badly. <laughs> so. I love that. Uh, yeah, and if I could ask you maybe um, just get into a little bit of what kind of inspired you to start the Tinkering School. What was going on in your life right as you were kind of... Like, how did, how did that whole process begin? Well, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting, fun story. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I actually saw a TED Talk by Gaber Tilly, who I just mm -hmm. mentioned. It's called Five Dangerous Things You Should Let Your Children Do. And it's a really <laughs> funny and interesting talk. Yeah. It's really, um, you know, eye-opening. And, um, and he talks a lot about the tinkering school that he started um, in the Bay Area, like, uh, probably like 12 or 15 years ago. And, um, and I was just so amazed at the thought of this tinkering school. And I actually am, am not a natural born tinkerer. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't have exp any experience with, with tools or building or carpentry oh, at that time. But I just thought it was like such an amazing idea. And the points he makes in the TED Talk, or, you know, that, you know, that, kids should be, you know, kids do have the ability to, you know, use potentially dangerous tools safely and they get so much out of it. They learn how to manage risk and they learn how to actually, you know, build things that are real and, you know, they're empowered and just a million great things that come out of building. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought like, I want my kids to go to that school. <laughs> like that sounds so cool. And I was also thinking like Austin is just the perfect place for a school like that because mm -hmm. Austin's so creative and um, it's such a maker town, but I don't see that school around anywhere. And, and so I always say, I spent like a year going around, you know, just in different conversations, different parties and stuff saying, yeah. you should start a tinkering school. It's like this great idea, like telling different people that they should <laughs> they start should a tinkering it, yeah. school. Cause I never thought I would start a tinkering school. Um, cause I didn't have the skills, but I just thought it was such an amazing idea. And then, um, and then, uh, Gaber Tilly actually came to Austin to promote his book. He wrote a book, 50 dangerous things you should let your children do. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he's such a like he's really like the true tinkering spirit of just kind of um, uh, encouraging people to go ahead and, and tinker and explore and try something, you know. Yeah. Uh, he he came here. He actually asked me, you know, having never met me, he just said, you know, um, I, I had made contact with him and he said, would you set up a few events for me while I'm there? You know, so I set up like a, a tinkering workshop with some kids and a tinkering <laughs> workshop with some adults and like a few different talks and mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, so I got to spend all this time with him and work with him. And and I just had little kids at the time. And um, and uh, at the end of this uh, time together, uh, he said, you should start a tinkering school here in Austin. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I could never do that. Like, I don't have the, I don't have the skills. I don't know how to tinker or build at all. And he's like, well, you can learn that. You can teach yourself that part of it. I mean, what's the, <laughs> what's the important part that I think you have is just that, um, is you get the philosophy of it is like, what we always say is like, you have to have this ability to let the kids take the lead in the design process. So mm -hmm. it's not, um, build like this you know you're like you're like here's how to use the tools here's like the basics of building and um and now what should we build you know yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and um uh so he said he thought out of the philosophy right i just need to train myself to use the tools and yeah. so so i uh so i spent a couple of years doing that and i went down to san francisco and worked with him at, at, um at his school and his summer camps and and I started out really small, just, you know, doing like small little classes, small little carpentry classes and just trying it out. Mm -hmm. And I always say, like, it's just it's just crazy. Like, I never would have dreamed that it would grow into this level, like where it went, you know, like, yeah, I was just trying it out. And I just had such a huge amount of just excitement and interest about tinkering and um it just, it's always so funny because it just, none of it made any sense. <laughs> like it didn't make sense that I was just like this mom with three little kids and never done tinkering before. And just yeah. like, <laughs> I'm going to start, you know, trying to use power tools with children. You know? <laughs> but like, I just did it. Like it was just, it was just all kind of so perfect how it unfolded and I actually mm -hmm. did it out of my backyard. I like created this little workshop in my backyard uh -huh. and my husband has some tools and, um, and so you know, I just, 
started trying it bit by bit, like not, not more than I felt comfortable with. Like it was just like starting with one tool. Like it was so scary at first just using a, a handsaw with a kid, you know, uh -huh. and then you oh, yeah. get comfortable doing that and you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I guess we could probably try to use this power drill and, you know, and now we're, you know, we're up to all, all the tools in the wood shop. I've been doing it for nine years. I'm totally comfortable using, you know, letting the kids anything, use the yeah. chop saw and the band saw and just That's anything. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. How I, it yeah. All, I think the first time I had seen something like that, I went over to my friend, uh, Bobby. Oh, uh, Bobby yeah, McDonald. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, McDonald. yeah totally, totally. Yeah, I went over to his house and he has two little boys yeah. and, <laughs> and I think we were working on a project and yeah, and they were like, uh. I, there, there was like a drill or something. They were like drilling something. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Your kid, and his kids are like better at using power tools than I am. You know, they so they spray annoying. paint. Oh, we were doing some welding. That's what it was. And he was like, you want to oh do some gosh, welding? Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, it turned out welding wasn't even that crazy. You, you hear welding and of course you think power welding, you know, with the, psh, psh, uh -huh. you know, all the fire and is not welding is just like soldering or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. And you put the little goggles on and mm -hmm. just go. And I was like, this is nothing really that scary about yeah. kids doing this. And yeah. I, I just go like, man, I wish my parents had been like that. Cause I think I came like a lot of people, like you grow up in a household where still, no, no, that's dangerous. Stay mm -hmm. away from that. And it's like, you, you can touch it, you know, but it's like, oh, but I'm an adult, you know? And I think mm -hmm. it's way more empowering for kids to grow up knowing oh okay this is a dangerous thing don't you know if you use it wrongly it will hurt you and to understand that but i trust that you're going you're not going to do that because i've now told you the way that you will get hurt from this yeah, you know so like exactly. now you can do it you know and I, th I think that's hugely empowering and it really helps people develop into f into seeing themselves as a person who can like really do things like i am a person that can figure it out i am mm -hmm. a person that could even if i don't know how to use this tool i'll watch a uh, i'll watch a, a video on youtube and I'll, I'll i'll learn how to 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 do this thing i always say that um uh, you know, someone like Bobby is a perfect example or someone like my husband, like there's certain people that, um, they just, they just grew up building and making or in some sort of environment like that. And they just don't feel intimidated by any, you know, by, by anything, all these, all these different problems that arise. And like, uh, if, like my husband, he wanted to install a backsplash in our kitchen, yeah. but he'd never done that before. He's done a lot of other things. He's never done that thing. But he just like watched a bunch of videos on YouTube um, and went and got the stuff and figured it out. And he yeah. and he did it, you know, <laughs> like and he, even I might feel intimidated at being like yeah. taking on this big project that might really, you know, make a huge mess and be a big disaster. But anyway, I always say like, I just want more people out there, more kids to grow up with this feeling of like, I could do that. I could, yeah. I could figure out how to weld or, yeah, or I mean like find someone to teach me how to weld. I mean, I don't want people just going willy nilly. No, into yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no absolutely. Yeah. I, the education is a big part of it though. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that I, that I love about the way that you, you know, your approach to education is that education is not about, here, learn, and but you have to have an educator to tell you what to do at every step of the way. Education is, all right, here's how to use this tool, you know, the basic way that this tool works. Now go make up something and do something mm -hmm. with it, you know? Like, that's ideally what, it's like, here, here's all these mathematical formulas. Okay, now go do something with it. You know, what is it? Make, find new formulas or go learn how to build a car, you know, mm -hmm. learn how to make something useful. And I think that's the ultimate thing is you have to have that trust from your educator that you can now go on mm -hmm. and do something on your own with yeah. this tool. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I think it's it's amazing uh, how this continually comes up, and even I forget it sometimes. But uh, like w when a kid, like so, you've you know taught them how to use the tools, and they feel empowered in that way. And then they they have their you know a lot of times we give them this space to like build what they want, and they'll come up. I always say kids are just a never-ending fountain of ideas. They always <laughs> yeah. have. You don't have to supply the ideas. They yeah. have things that they have been dying to build. You know, uh -huh. and um. And you just support them and build like they're like, oh, my God, I want to I'm building a birdhouse, you know, and they're just like all this amazing learning and um, problem solving and collaboration. Sometimes if there's another kid they're working with is happening just on building this little uh, birdhouse and you'll just see this 
super high level of engagement. Like they're so excited and interested and naturally learning just from building this little birdhouse because it's exactly what they thought of and what they want to build. Yeah. And like when I come in with a, with a like, sometimes I'll still try to sneak it in. I'll just stupidly be like, um, well, okay, well, that's been enough, like, free building for now, or, like, you know, um, wild kind of building for now. Let's build, like, a really proper birdhouse, and I have the pieces that are all, you know, like, I'll show you how to make, like, a really nice-looking birdhouse, uh -huh. and, you, and you'll just see, like, kids just tune out, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, uh -huh. like, um, that, that, that will come later on down the line, you know, when you're a teenager <laughs> and adult, and you want things to look nice, but I just feel like, you know, in this, this kind of younger group that we mostly work with, I mean, a, a lot of our classes are more for ages three three to five and ages six to 10. But then we do have classes for, for adults in the evening and stuff, but, um, with, for like finer skills and like making things that yeah. adults are more, more concerned about the product, but which is totally fine. That's just how adults are. But kids are still in this phase of just, you just, what I always say is that I want them to, to be in that flow state of, um, just feeling excited about what they're making and just, and you just see like their eyes are just like on fire. Like they're <laughs> yeah. so excited and they feel so positive about what they're doing. And I just feel like the more you can encourage them to be in that state, the more they're going to take that with them into mm -hmm. adult adulthood. Is there anything you do sort of at the beginning of a class to get everybody in a good state? Like get all of the kids say, you know, okay, or, you know, like maybe start every class and now we talk or we do a certain thing just to get everybody into a good head state like okay we're gonna play with things it might not come out the right way or mm -hmm. oh that's a really good question i don't i don't actually have that right now mm -hmm. um that, that that's really something to consider i feel like that could be good because that yeah. that's sometimes a little bit squirrely at the beginning trying to get everyone on the same page but um we do have something that we do at the end. Oh, okay, cool, um, yeah. That's like uh, we do. We like to do a high point, low point at the at the end, um, at the end of class or camp or something, which I feel like is always just a really nice way to, um, you know, uh, if they do have a grievance or, or you know some sort of thing, it just helps them kind of process or just think about it or just say it. it I feel like there can be. Uh, you know, maybe with other teachers that come on to work with me or something like, oh, we're going to like actually give them permit, you know, ask them to say like what they didn't like about today. Yeah. It could be like a little uncomfortableness around them, sure. around that. But I feel like it's it's really great. Like nothing really bad ever really comes out. And if, if there is something bad, it's it's good. It's good to hear about it. And I feel like it just helps kids that have that space to just get it off their chest and kind oh, of yeah. process it. Like, like, I was so frustrated. Like I, you know, I couldn't drive the screw in or, you know, or somebody was not being nice to me or something. It just gives them that space to kind of like get it out, process it. And then and then we then talk about some high point of their day as well. And I don't know. And it's just so, I mean, I always love that time of our day. It's so great to just like yeah. hear, hear what, how it went for everybody. And, and, uh, and for us all to hear, like kind of do this, this check-in. So anyway, I just really love, love doing that's that. That's a, yeah, no, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I think that's also like gets right to the heart of like one of the big things with our education system now is nobody ever asked the kids. Everyone just kind of assumes you know, that the kids are dumb and don't, they have no perspective. So why should we even care what they think? And it's like, yeah, like well, we know best, yeah, we know best what they need and uh -huh. what they should have. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you don't like it when a business or some kind of person says, no, we're not going to put that feature because we determined that you don't need or want that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I'm a customer. Well, it's like, in a way, the kids are the customer. I mean, they're not paying for it, but yeah. it's like, you know, if we're going to be effective, why don't we ever get feedback from kids? The, oh, you know, it's, it's such a mind blowing thing. I love that. And just mm -hmm. asking them. And also it, it helps the kids to feel like they can bring up what they're having difficulties with. And it helps you to, pre to prescribe what, what is necessary for this kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, this kid doesn't feel comfortable with their classmates. Uh -huh. How can we fix that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, this kid doesn't feel, you know, X, X, X. And yeah. it's just like, these are perfect things that, you know, now we know how to make the experience better for everybody. Yes, That's totally. Beautiful. And yeah. um, my husband actually went to this, uh, he went to go um, take a tour of the IBM here in Austin. Mm -hmm. And um, his, his friend works there now. And, um, and 
And he also got this little, like, handbook. And they are super, I mean, I was super inspired. It sounds funny to say IBM. It sounds yeah. like it'd be, like, boring and solid. Yeah. But I was, we were both super inspired by this, like, kind of new kind of business practices that were like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. That makes so much sense. And that's just such a, um, you know, seems so much more productive and such a diversion from, like, uh, the normal kind of, business practices that you'd assume they would do but there oh, was totally. stuff there was stuff like probably like the um the highs and you know highs and lows i think there was one thing maybe this is something i could implement a tinkering school or something tinkering school class i think they did something like at the beginning of every big project they would do hopes and fears and they would um uh, get post-it notes and stick them up on this board what you're hoping to get out of this project or how you're hoping it turns out and then the fears and then um, people could respond to those in certain ways and I guess when they got resolved or done they could take the notes off the board yeah. um, but if they weren't resolved then that fear like would still be up on the board and I guess they wouldn't be connected to a person they'd be like wow someone out there is worried that you know something oh, something, something like the, you know is going to happen or this won't work out or like this is not feasible in this project or um or maybe even that they're not going to feel heard or i i don't i don't i don't know I, I just thought it was so interesting and that they were it was just exciting and inspiring to see a company like actually IBM, seeing yeah. the benefit yeah. of like not ignoring people's feelings and mm -hmm. and thoughts and like making this space to be open and that probably so much is going to come out of doing stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and that sounds like a great um, kind of a great way to also approach uh, like working as an artist group or a collective or something like that. Because I feel like especially with a lot of art groups and things like that, it's very like, you know, no one wants to kind of take the lead, but you also kind of don't know. It's very vacuous because you're starting with maybe, oh, have a sort of a vague oh, idea of exactly, a thing. Yeah. And so maybe it's good to like get people on and to be like, okay, what is it that you want to get from this project? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're afraid will happen with this project? And how can we, you know, as a team work to make sure that all of these positives happen for everybody and all of these negatives don't happen. You know, how can mm -hmm. we avoid all of the Or at pitfalls? least just addre yeah. address, address them, them rather yeah. than like hope that they'll just go away or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. That's what that, that um, is a lot like Vision Gland, the, yeah. pro the project. Like um, when we started a year ago, like right around this time, we just had the idea for it to create like a, a Meow Wolf inspired art installation mm -hmm. in Austin. Um, for East Austin Studio Tour in November. <laughs> and um, and it was exactly like that. Like we had no idea how it could happen and nobody else, nobody had ever built something like that before. Um, so we just had to kind of blindly move through all these hopes and fears and, and, and no one was really the leader. Like we we're kind of a collective. Yeah. But, um, you know, some of us took it on as, and I mean, I felt like that was kind of my role of, Having been through doing some really big projects like Maker Fair Austin, which again was another thing where I just had a belief that it should be here in Austin <laughs> and I had no idea. I didn't have event planning experience. I didn't know how I could how I could do it, but I just felt like if you could just get the ball rolling, if you could just keep putting one foot in the front of the other, it could just happen. Because I felt like, well, I mean, that's why I felt like Tinkering School started. So Tinkering School, in a way, inspired me to have the confidence to do Maker Fair Austin. Uh -huh. I just felt like, I don't know. I just feel like if I just get the ball rolling, it will just it will happen. It just should be here. Like there's enough people here in Austin, makers and artists that are just going to want it to be here, that are going to show up and there's the, an audience for it. It's just going to happen. And then. And then so we, you know, overcame all the obstacles and Maker Fair Austin did happen successfully year after year, you know, growing like an insane amount year <laughs> after year. Absolutely. It's yeah. Huge. yeah. And then um, and then with Vision Gland, it was like the same sort of thing. Like, I, this doesn't make any sense. It's totally crazy and weird <laughs> and funny, but I just feel like, I don't know, we can do it. But but then we went through all these these, um, you know this like what I was just talking to you about about there's always this like little zone um, where it's a, just an uncomfortable zone where you're like have you've had the idea 
And now it's the pedal to the metal time of like, but how do we actually like make this come into reality? Yeah. And I felt like my my role that I kind of took on was just to keep moving the ball forward. Is like just keep showing up at the meetings. Uh, you will probably like this. This is like a it was kind of like a just a thing that because I, I also just hadn't. I was I was scared. I mean, I was scared a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know if I'm leading all these people into a total shit. Show. <laughs> like I don't know if this is gonna work out. Like I'm also scared. This might be really embarrassing. You know, it might be totally this is for uh, vision gland. For last vision year? gland, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, might just be totally a mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, I have something. <laughs> hey, Alex. Yeah. We should now we're back on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I felt like my role with vision gland was just to um, uh, keep showing up, keep calling meetings, and also I would do things like just take photos of the meeting and then post it on Facebook to like show there was a real meeting. People were yeah. here. Like I feel like you um, give people, then there might be some interested people around the fringes and they're like, oh, okay, that really happened. There really were some yeah. people that showed up. So it's like, oh, so it's like a, uh, I can't think of quite the word, but like it's kind of like a proof of concept or uh, you're just showing that it's really happening. Yeah. And then like, then we actually got some walls up and I posted those photos mm -hmm. and I feel like that made some more people get attracted to it like oh my gosh okay that's a real thing like they're actually building something yeah and then when we actually had the full you know a, a real structure still just a skeleton and people could see where the different rooms were going to be and stuff then people are like oh then even more cool people were like oh, i could take on a room okay i, I see what's happening here I, I i i could make a whole room yeah and then some people got totally obsessed and into it and like developed like these amazing rooms but that wouldn't have happened at the beginning they were all kind of like hanging back like i don't know it sounds interesting but i i don't i don't know if you guys can really if this is really happening so yeah. it's like you just have to keep moving forward and showing mm -hmm. that it's just a, re a real rolling, thing yeah. like somehow like pr proving it that it's really happening so yeah maybe it's also yeah just kind of keeping that scorecard because uh, yeah like when you're in the process of something it's really easy to sort of forget that you're making progress so it's almost like you have to build into what you're doing a metric like okay cool every time i complete a task you know i mark a thing or every time we do a meeting we have a ritual like a ritual like putting up a poster or a picture from the meeting and saying yeah we were here or something like that and little by little that creates that belief that it can happen and that it will happen yes, yeah exactly, exactly yeah i love that mm. that idea um let's see so what else do we have Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about is like, so do you feel like you, you know, your experience working with kids that when you work with adults, you kind of bring some of the aspects of that? You know? Oh, yeah. That's a really great question. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more uh, geared towards working with with kids. I have other teachers that work with adults for the classes that we have at Tinkering School. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like something that I've observed and noticed is that, um kids are just so much more open-ended and exploratory and like you teach them to use the tools and say and these are the materials that are available and they'll just be all over it like they're as I just said before like yeah. they you 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 know you usually don't even have to give them an idea of anything to build like they're full naturally full yeah. of ideas that they want to build um and adults are like the polar opposite <laughs> I feel like they're kind of the probably the product of of school like we talked about they're like I don't know I just want to make sure that that this time that I'm spending is gonna you know be 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 worth it and I'm like nervous that I'm gonna mess up and feel bad about myself mm -hmm. and so I feel like like uh the challenge with adults is like helping them feel comfortable helping them feel like it's gonna be time well spent they're gonna get something out of it yeah. and um so I always feel like yeah adults are a little bit you know, sadly, a little bit messed up from, yeah. you know, and, and less likely to just dive in and explore and play and feel free. Yeah. So it's like you have to give the adults like this, this really nice, clear project that's going to have a nice, beautiful end product. And then they will learn a lot, you know, like, oh, OK, so we 
we, I didn't know how to weld, and then we welded, and then we made this beautiful little table, and now I can take this home and be like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was time well spent. I made this cool table, and now I have it, you know, rather than like, we'll teach you to weld, and like, now, what do you want to weld? Yeah. Like, anything <laughs> you want. <laughs> I'll be like, no, no, too many options. Yeah. So. Maybe that kind of gets in yeah, back with like kind of with vision gland where it's like, yeah, you, you walk in and people don't really have that many ideas because it's just kind of too much it's yeah too, too much, much yeah, freedom they, they've yeah. been taught maybe just over and over and over again no I, your ideas are dumb or your ideas aren't going to work or that's going to take a lot of you know that's going to be really hard you know you're going to fail a lot in order to get there and so they kind of just train themselves not to think of ideas mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like trying to create that safe space where people can sort of get back in that childlike idea where it's like oh i want to build a spaceship you mm -hmm. know kind of thing and yeah. to feel not embarrassed about wanting to do something like that yeah and i think it's hard for adults because like you know our our time is limited or we've convinced yeah. ourselves our time is limited mm -hmm. so you're like scared to put in time to something you're not sure if it's going to be anything or if it's going to work out and in, the, in terms of vision gland it's interesting because even really creative people as i said were like still on the outskirts uh, like not sure if they should invest their time yeah. at the beginning but then when you when you started to rein it in and it started to take shape and then they could see where they fit in then um then then they're like okay now i feel comfortable i can get in and there and be creative mm -hmm. we're, we're only a, only a few people only our most diehard members were like attracted and really stuck with it at the beginning when it was just like this wide open playing field or like that blank canvas like yeah. you mentioned like you're like i don't know it's just this crazy idea it's going to be a big piece of interactive immersive artwork that you can climb around inside and explore <laughs> yeah and, and only like you know five people are like yes i will <laughs> come to every meeting that sounds so great yeah you know but mm -hmm. we need we definitely need that core group to keep the ball moving oh absolutely i feel like yeah a big part a big one of the things that i'm always trying to do with events that i throw is yeah, because I, I feel like I want to get people back in that space because that's the space that I want to be back into is that state of play and possibility. Um, and so it's like I, I think a lot about how can we get adults or just kind of people back into that space? What do you do? You have any ideas about things that you like to do? And it's like what are ways that we can get adults to get back in touch with that childlike sense of possibility? Yeah, that's a really great question. Well, um I feel like, you know, it's it's really hard, but I feel like people need to give them space to give themselves space to do something that's outside their comfort zone. Yeah. For some people that might just be taking a class, you know, for some people even just coming here and taking a welding class that they've never, you know, even if they're making that that nice product that they can feel good about, that's so far out of their comfort zone that that's going to totally, yeah. you know, be an amazing thing for them. That's so great. And then um, I, I feel like that can be a gateway to them just being more creative and doing because they get the they get a little high off of it. Like it's an amazing feeling to, you know, discover this new ability. I mean, like I say, like with the kids, I feel like they come out of this feeling so empowered and so excited, like, oh, my gosh, I can totally build. I can totally make things that look really cool. And then they might start, you know, thinking around like they then they think of something else they want to like oh, you know, I really need a bookshelf. Like, I bet I can make a bookshelf. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, now I can see how I can make a bookshelf. I never saw myself as a person who could make a bookshelf before. Um, so there's like that level. And then, then I feel like for just like kind of creative people that are, you know, maybe working in a, you know, an ad agency or something like, you know, semi-stolid or whatever, like, but are still basically creative. I feel like, they should give themselves just to, like try to make it a priority or give themselves some space to do something just silly and, and fun. Yeah. Like, like what I say, like that book deep work kind of gave me the permission to like, Oh, now I see why this is important to give myself this space away from the phone or whatever. Um, I feel like it's, you know, you really are going to get so much out of it. Just doing a silly fun project that doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not like going to look good on your resume necessarily, or it's not going to advance <laughs> your career, yeah. but it's just going to give you so much soul food that it like, and you just don't know where it's going to take you. Like it's probably going to take you somewhere really great. Like yeah. what I would say about, well, uh, my, my, my three main projects that I've done in my life, 
um, you know, they all, I didn't, I had no idea if they could actually happen and then they did happen and they just took me amazing places in my life. And then, then like vision gland was the latest one. And, um, when I had this idea to try to do, you know, try to do this Meow Wolf inspired, uh, art installation with a, with try to get people together to build something like that it just didn't make any sense it did not fit into my life it didn't advance <laughs> like my current businesses at all it was just totally weird and just yeah. it didn't make any sense and it didn't make any sense for me like a busy mother of three <laughs> with, with two businesses to stop and do this other crazy side project but I just had this same kind of feeling that I had had with tinkering school and with maker fair where I just felt this kind of like fire inside where I just felt like I don't know I just feel like if I follow this spark like something great is going to happen and um and it just has been so so um refreshing and so mm -hmm. so fun and and every week week when we get together when the vision land group gets together even if I'm feeling like busy and stressed and like I wish we didn't have a meeting or we didn't have a work day and then this totally happened to me last uh, last Sunday when we met. I was just feeling like kind of overwhelmed and like, I don't have time for this. I wish I could just go do some, you know, get caught up on my other things. And then we're back here, you know, working on this dome to, um, for, our, our, for our next installation. And, you know, it was like totally hard labor and we're all putting together this crazy <laughs> dome. And I was just looking around at like these people that I have grown to just like so much. And I just like... I just felt so refreshed. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm out here doing this with these fun people and just working on this crazy project that I would never do on my own. And I just felt like, damn, Vision Clan did it again, man. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for me to come spend my Sunday doing this, really, but it just like feels so good. It just like, it's like meditation or something, just yeah. like refreshes my mind. So I think it's like that, like what you said earlier, that with failed positive attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like throwing yourself into something, and if we fail, then that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, at least failing, at least you did something. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. And and I feel so fortunate. It's just like also another just like insanely lucky stroke, but all the people in Vision Gland, it just seems to have drawn together, you know, other people who are super creative, supportive, yeah. and are also naturally failure positive. So you're around these people that are just like, they're just inspiring and they're fun to be with and they're not going to be looking down at you if you mess up or do, you're like, maybe we should try this. And then you build it and it falls over and everyone laughs at you like that's not happening. People are like, yeah. oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's try it. You know, uh -huh, like totally. it feels so good to be with people who are like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And ooh, what if we also did this? And you're mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's even greater. What yeah. if you made it bigger? Well, that's yeah. a great idea. <laughs> so it's just so, yeah, yeah it's, so, it's so fun. You know, with a bunch of naysayers like mm, that will never work. Yeah. Let's not even let's not even start. Let's not even try. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's real positive. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like kind of what Vision Gland offers too is almost just this like it's almost like for kids. It's like to learn how to do tools, but it's like to learn that it's like what we were saying earlier about um, when you went to like the big maker fair and you go to these other collectives where you think you know because I, I, it's really easy to look at Biao Wolf or these other big collectives, say in New York or people who do these big amazing things at Burning Man it's just like oh man these people probably have their shit together they're probably everything they're like think 10 steps ahead they're like cohesion and they have all these little things that they throw in together and and it, there's just no way I'm they're probably all world-class artists but it's like no they're not they're they just people with ideas and they just show up and they try to make it work and they try to solve mm -hmm. problems and they try yes. to support each other and exactly. I think seeing it at you know encouraging people to show up and kind of like with vision gland where it's such an open, you know, Oh yeah, just bring something. Here's our idea. Show up and try it. And, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, uh, that's what I've sort of learned from it, is that the, you can make something that is really cool and really effective. Cause you know, you get to see, especially at, at the maker fair this past year, it was really great just to see people's, uh, reactions to it, even though, you know, maybe our reactions were like, oh, this thing isn't working perfectly or this didn't really come out the way I wanted it to and blah, blah, blah. And you see all the problems, but the people going through it didn't. And, right, you know, it's yeah. really fun to think that, you know, even they they felt a good experience from it. And it's just us. It's just people. Like yeah. Me and you. Like, 
our friends that yeah. we talk to and hang out with that are just fun, interesting people. And we put it together. We None of us are like, I mean, we're all uh, smart and talented, but none of us are like on the world stage yet as yeah. an artist. Um, and yeah, I, think I feel like something yeah. that's like just normal people can come together with interests and knowledge about whatever we do and mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, know? exactly. And I want to say one more thing about this and I should probably wrap it up, but it's yeah. like, um, yeah, that's what I always say is like, you know, that first visit to Meow Wolf that, um, that some of us took l last summer, that was like the birth of Vision Gland. That's where we, a, a bunch of us had gone to Meow Wolf over the summer in 2016 you know, and we're just like wowed by it. So many people were like, you know, talking about it that summer. I guess that they had just opened like a little bit earlier in the spring. And um, and I was dying to go see it all summer. And then I and I just kept seeing pictures on Facebook and stuff. And then I finally got to go at the end of the summer. And um, and I just felt like um, there was something just so, even though it's so incredibly high level and like totally amazing. Um, there was something so playful and um, accessible about it yeah. that it made someone like me, who's not really a high level maker at all, like come back and and, and feel like, like just let's try to build something like that, not yeah. not shut down like where like that's so cool, but we can never build anything like that. Let's uh -huh. let's just go enjoy it and then talk about it. But <laughs> there's just I don't know, there's just something like I just feel like that's just a magic of Meow Wolf is yeah. that they just made something that was just so exciting and playful and that so, that somehow I mean they have they have a TED talk or Vince Kabubek mm -hmm. the the CEO of Meow Wolf has a yeah. TED talk called Radical Inclusivity. Yeah. And it's amazing. I say, like, I can't even believe that somehow that spirit of radical inclusivity seems like embedded in the project. Yeah. It makes it feel like, you know, just people who are just walking through it are like, this is so cool. This makes me feel like making art. This yeah. makes me feel like making something. You could do, so, you could do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Cammy, for yeah, talking to me. Definitely. This is really exciting. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for coming. Awesome. <laughs> bye. Bye. bye.